this, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north. This is Safety Wars. We're sending out season's greetings. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And we have Kwanzaa. I'm not sure exactly on what the greeting is, but Kwanzaa greetings to whoever celebrates that starting on Monday. Why the Christmas music? Well, it's Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. There's a lot of twos in there. And what's my point? Tomorrow, we plan on being on the air every night next week. All right? From 8 to 9 p.m. on here on safetyfm.com. One of the things, now we're an up and coming program, up and coming podcast, whatever we call, whatever we're calling this thing. And as everybody knows, I am a lifelong talk radio fan. All right, uh, Sheldon uh, Prentice and I had this uh, show, and then had this conversation one time. We both grew up in the New York area. Now we listened to WOR. 710 AM and 77 WABC when it was still playing music and then all of a sudden music wasn't playing anymore and there's a specific reason for that WABC music radio they still brought it back on some uh, over the weekends and on their uh, podcast we back in 1980 81 uh, it's a shame I don't remember the year uh John Lennon was uh, assassinated, right? And in New York City outside his uh, apartment in the Dakota. And people, they decided that they were going to have tributes on the radio to the Beatles and to John Lennon. And they had a lot of call-in programs and everything else. Well, the so the story goes, a lot of the program directors back then realized that talking Right. What we're doing here, talk radio, call in radio, uh, calling in and taking phone calls, all that stuff. They could actually make money doing that. They had more listenership. So it was pretty much sealed. uh, No, the nail was put in the coffin on AM music radio in the New York City area. I mean, for years, I used to go outside of New York City and, you know, uh, no, 50 miles in any direction. And all of a sudden you're picking up AM uh, radio stations that actually play music. And that pretty much, uh, no, talk radio was always there. You had Rambling with Gambling on WR710 and you had all these programs going back to the beginning. But when the uh, program directors realized they could really make money doing this and there was an interest in talk radio on current events, a lot of radio stations went by the wayside, WABC radio being one of them. And you're going to say, well, Jimmy, what's your point here? I don't get your point. What's your point? Get to the point. The point here is this. The, uh, as a very intimate type of uh, interaction here, you get to know people on radio. 
I mean, even today, even with this thing that we're doing here, I go out and someday I heard that your podcast, I heard your radio show. I had a blah, blah, blah. Hey, great thing. And no, they're from friends and from some business associates and everything else. They feel that they get to know you. Eventually, people like to no, they look forward to hearing you. Even on the podcast, you know, I'm sure I have a, no, I know I have a lot of critics out there, but people look forward to this, right? Even if it's one or two people out there and it's all about psychological safety, right? A lot of people are out there around the holidays. I know a lot of friends of mine, uh, we've invited them over for the holidays and everything, but no, a lot of people, some take it, some don't, uh, they don't have family. They don't have friends. Uh, their friends are far away. Their family is far away. They feel isolated and everything. And they like to hear, this is like their connection to the outside world, talk radio. So there are a lot of programs out there that they make sure that they do live radio. Right, a lot of program hosts make sure that someone's there to talk. And I, that's, I feel like obligated that if I, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a, some nights I can't make it, but I try to make it, especially around the holidays. I'm going to try to make it the, you know, so people can still have that connection with me. And I appreciate it. Now, you don't know how much I appreciate it. So uh, we plan on being on the air every night. If we miss, I apologize up front, but, uh, that's where we are. What are we going to talk about, right? Uh, a lot of people, I can't imagine a lot of people here uh, celebrating. Uh, no, no, it's Friday and it's a three-day weekend and it's Christmas. Uh, even for the non-Christians, I work, uh, I'm, the only, uh, I'm like the only Christian in the management group on the major project I'm working on now. Uh, there are people coming from all over the world, mostly Eastern Europe. They're either Muslim, they're uh, Hindu, or they are atheists. And they're celebrating Christmas too, right? If it's even just sitting back and relaxing with the family, they're celebrating Christmas in some way. They, as one of them said, it's the holiday season. So they make it a point to celebrate something, you know, spend time with friends and family on this. So Chris, you know, it's like a universal thing, even if it's secular uh, here. And I can't imagine Friday night, anyone being here listening to me. Right. Maybe over the weekend and everything else. So I wanted to make it a point to be here today just to wish everybody happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, let me kick off. And uh, the, this thing, as you know, we talk a lot about ritual here and how important ritual is in our lives and in our organizations. What are some of the you know, things that we do as far as ritual? And then we'll get to the news and everything in a couple of minutes here. What was what do you do on uh, Christmas or on whatever holiday it is ritual to try to remember things in the past? So uh, back in 2016, I had everyone knows here. Uh, I had uh, my brother passed away in 2016. I was very close with him, and we uh, took it very hard. Now people. No, more in, in all their ways. So, and uh, what we started was a tradition and I didn't want to ruin everybody's holidays because all oh, upset because I'm, you know, upset over my brother, understandably, right? Uh, 
And we didn't want to ruin it for the children. I had very young children at the time. So we came up with a tradition. And it was sort of like cute. It started out as, but it turned into something else. And I'm going to call it Charlie's birthday. And you're going to say, who's Charlie, Jim? Charlie is going to be 47 years old this year. I got him as a child at my teddy bear. And, you know, he's been, uh, you know, I hate to, you know, I'm anthropomorphizing him, but it's about a Christmas present that I've had since 1947, uh, 94, since 1975, 47 years old. And I wanted to remember all of the past Christmases and all the people that we've left, who we've lost along the way. Parents, right? For, uh, no, this became meaningful last year when my mother-in-law who lived with us passed away. And then my brother passed away in 2016. And when this thing started and we allow ourselves time to mourn. Yeah, but Jim, it's a birthday party. Yeah, we have a birthday party and it's always a New Jersey themed birthday party. Uh, I'll give a plug for some things, right? Uh, here, uh, New Jersey is famous and the New York area for Entenmann's chocolate donuts. Well, Entenmann's is a uh, regional bakery back in the day. They're, they have a little bit more wider distribution. But we have Entenmann's chocolate donuts. We have bagels, we have blueberries, we have pork roll, pork Taylor ham, if you're from that group of people, right? There's a New Jersey debate. And we have little, no, New Jersey themed birthday party. And this is how we kick off our Christmas celebration where we allow ourselves, where we remember our uh, Christmases that were very happy in the past, like when we got Charlie, right? When we were a child, 1975, we remember Christmas memories. We remember people we've lost along the way. My grandparents, this year, my father, my mother-in-law, Nancy, uh, my brother, John, a whole bunch of other uh, uh, relatives and friends that we lost along the way. And we mark off a place. And now that we have an appropriate time to mark our morning of these folks. Now it frees us up to enjoy the rest of the holiday. Because I, I know I've seen a lot of people that are all broken up or all very upset. Now that's Christmas dinner and they're missing a loved one. They're missing this or this, blah, blah, blah. And it prevents us, prevents them from enjoying the what they have because they're worried about what they don't have and what they're missing. So we've ritualized this where we have a birthday and we have, no, the my daughter blows out the birthday candle, candles for Charlie and we remember things, everything is, tears are shed. Uh, got a couple of laughs and this is what we do. This is what we do. Maybe this is how we handle it. I think it's a pretty healthy thing to do uh, and it frees us up for the rest of the week. And maybe you can come uh, stop no, over the weekend. No, maybe you can have something similar. But the thing is, you have to get beyond this in your morning process or in the morning is morning is a process. And because it prevents you from enjoying the present. Right when you're mourning for the past. And you have to live in the present. Present is what we're doing, what we're living in. You can't do anything about yesterday. 
you can do something about right now and you could plan for the future. And that's how we fight that safety war all the time. Right. I don't know. It's cliche. Well, Jim, you always, yeah, we, we're, we're fighting this all the time and we win and we win battles a lot of times. We win hearts. We win minds. Right. We are making the world a better place for the worker, making the companies more profitable. All that stuff goes into the safety war. And this is another front in that war is warning. And I'm going to go to break uh, right now. And we're going to come back with some financial news. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. Okay, we're back. Let me explain the menu here. Why we choose the menu we do. Why it's all uh, New Jersey themed, right? Well, these menu items, right? Entenmann's chocolate donuts, bagels, right? Blueberries. Uh, no, and uh, uh, no pork roll and everything. <laughs> You're going to love this. This is what people feed black bears up here are those things. All right. They're because you have outlet stores that sell all this stuff real cheap. And people were buying this for years when bears started to come back to New Jersey in large numbers and everything else. People were out there feeding the bears. And then before you know it, they don't feed the bear one day and the bear comes around looking for Entenmann's chocolate donuts and starts ripping apart the house. So that's why we do that. It's a little bit of tongue in cheek. Uh, I know everybody's going, wow, New Jersey theme. The other thing is Charlie is from New Jersey, you know? So uh, I guess the other alternative we could have had is uh, we bring in the garbage can and, you know, eat out of the garbage can like bears do. But anyway, financial news here. Yes, I know. I, my jokes, nobody ever gets them. Okay, we're going to add uh, uh, some other commentary here to the normal stuff. All right, gold at $4,000. Analysts share their 2023 outlook as inflation and recession fears linger. Uh, this is an article from Charmaine Jacob out of uh, CNBC.com. Gold prices could surge for $4,000 announced in 2023 as recession fears persist, said someone from Swiss Asia Capital. 
That person explained that many co economies could face a little bit of a recession in the first quarter, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I've been hearing all my life, pretty much, on how gold is going to go to 4000 I don't know how much credence I give to that. Uh, that we would have to be like the Weimar Republic level of economic distress. And I read a phenomenal article on that uh, yesterday. Uh, uh, no, a, uh, from a historical journal uh, on uh, on the financial stuff and you no, know, uh, the political situation in the Weimar Republic. Are we headed that way? I don't know. So, by the way, Weimar Republic became Nazi Germany. So, uh, I don't know if we're at that place. Well, I've been hearing this from time immemorial. Suddenly, everyone is hunting for alternatives to the dollar. So people are looking to park their um, their money elsewhere because they're worried about the falling value of the dollar and everything else. Well, dollar is pretty strong right now, but that's only because, pardon me, everyone else's economy is Wuvno. And uh, uh, essentially, the way that they collect a lot of these statistics, they're lagging. They're always revised uh, later on. So who knows what's uh, going to happen here uh, with that? Uh, people now there was a we've again, I've been hearing about this since probably the early 80s with alternatives to the dollar. Uh, the one of the more popular ones was a thing a couple years ago called the Liberty Dollar, which was managed by a man named Bernard von Nothaus, who was trying who was convicted of uh, basically uh, counterfeiting. It's essentially, from what I could recall on that, but it had more to do more than that, uh, where he was trying to re issue a, his own currency uh, from from an organization called Norfed, Norfed, which is a national organization to repeal the Federal Reserve Act. And what he ended up doing was uh, issuing a currency and it was backed by silver and gold and uh Basically, people were all confused and said, so, well, you know, you're counterfeiting and this and that. He got convicted of a couple of things and got released. Uh, in my opinion, he got a little bit rail railroaded there. But uh, this should have been a leading indicator. Now, how, how is this safety related? This should have been a in leading indicator uh, to how people are. You give people a little bit of a information on this. Right. And then all of a sudden they take the information, run with it, and they start doing crazy things with it. Just like with the COVID stuff. Right. So rather than listening to, quote unquote, the experts or people with experience, they went on to Instagram and TikTok and this and that and Facebook and, you know, uh, uh, what's the other one? Reddit and all these other websites from all this stuff, got all these cockamamie, cockamamie ideas and everything else. And this is what happens with when you start things like that, you start movements like that, they go sideways. Uh, I mean, we're still dealing with the fallout of uh, COVID and all the bad information that was out there and conspiracy theories and everything else uh, that goes along with it. But this should have been, no, so this should have been a leading indicator. And let's talk about January 6th, because we're still dealing with the fallout with that, with the report being released this week and the criminal referrals uh, from uh, the House of Representatives. So.
So uh, I, no, I'm sorry. It was a joint commission, right? Well, the joint commission here on the January 6th commission. So, you know, you give people a little bit of information and they go haywire. I was talking about this with someone today. So on to our other right, regular stuff. Dow Jones Industrial fell slightly today, 33.027. That was a loss of 1%, just over 1%. S&P uh, 500 down uh, 1.5% almost. At closed at 38.22.39. NASDAQ fell, lost at 2.1%, closed at 1040. 10,476.12. Russell 2000 down uh, 17,054.09. Uh, Russell 2000 down. Did I just say that? 17,54.09. U.S. Pardon me. 10 year Treasury note closed at 3.696%. Bitcoin down slightly, but. Right today, sixteen seventy-seven twenty-five. Crude oil came up by almost one percent, seventy-eight twenty-three. Let's look at those precious metals. Right here, we have gold at eighteen oh one fifty. That's up four eighty an ounce. Silver up to twenty-three seventy-seven. Just over a dime. Platinum fell to below uh, $1,000 to close at $995.70. And palladium is at $17,1750. It's up $8.10 uh, there. That's that for financial news. EPA. EPA pub publishes the Iris Handbook and Final Iris Assessment of Perfluorobutonic Acid. Butanoic Acid, I guess. PFBA and related salts. Today, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, is announcing, and this is uh, right off of their press release, is announcing two important documents from its integrated risk information system, the IRIS program. Uh, and uh, blah, 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 on perfluorobutonic acid and related salts. These publications demonstrate EPA's commitment to transparency and rigorous science for use in decision making. Well, holy mackerel, what about that? Transparency and rigorous science in making decisions. Wow. The IRIS handbook transparently provides going on and on and on. So what does this all say? Let me go down through the press release. Da -da -da. And it says how wonderful the IRIS program is. All right, the final IRS, IRIS assessment reviews the evidence of potential non-cancer and cancer human health effects resulting from exposure to PFBA. Final assessment found that sufficient oral exposure to PFBA likely causes thyroid, liver, and developmental effects. The final assessment also includes a non-cancer estimate of the amount of PFBA that one can ingest every day that is likely to be without harmful effects. So you can go look it up is essentially it. Nearly 4,000 customers, again, out of power because of winter weather. A couple of years ago, we had them out of power also. So uh, you've had a couple of years to prepare there in Texas. And let this be a warning for the rest of the United States and everywhere else where I'm being heard. What are you gonna do when you have a power outage? Right, so 40,000 uh, people were without power as of 4.41 p.m. this afternoon. I don't know what time zone that is. This is all from 
uh, not to have power, right? From wind and weather and everything else. Uh, not as bad as what it was a couple years ago. But again, what are you going to do? I've always said that when they upgrade and redo the power grid, they should put everything underground. But what do I know, right? That causes its own problems. Here we have, again, are we being manipulated here? At least five killed on treacherous roads and nearly 9,000 flights canceled as once in a generation snowpocalypse begins to batter almost every state. Six governors call a state of emergency amid sub-zero temps and whiteout conditions. So, New York, and this is not for the New York City area as far as I know, unless I updated the forecast here in the last uh, couple of hours. Uh, we're talking up by Buffalo. No, so everybody thinks everybody thinks that uh, if you live in Buffalo that you know anything about New York City, it's like a nine-hour drive, right? And people think that if you're from this metro New York City area, you know all about upstate New York. And I'm going to tell you, that ain't, that ain't true. You may know where Albany is, but that's about it. Uh, believe me, my uh, wife is, grew up in the uh, Metro Albany area. Nobody, I don't know, I know knew a little bit, but you know, that's that, that was just from my earlier uh, bike riding career, right? New York, Kentucky, Missouri, Oklahoma, Georgia, North Carolina have called states of emergency. Chicago and Denver airports will be the worst affected by travel chaos ahead of Christmas. Chicago is under a winter storm warning until 6 a.m. Saturday with three to six inches of snow predicted. Oh, they're getting three to six inches of snow and it's a snowpocalypse. In other states like in other states. Oh, you're going to love this. Like Denver and Wyoming. Denver is not a state. Wyoming is. It has already begun to snow. Denver is in Colorado with high straight line winds. The Midwest and Plains are expected to get heavy snow, while the East Coast will be battered with rain. So, all the stuff I was supposed to take care of tomorrow, I can't do. The outdoors stuff. So, uh, again, winter weather, right? It happens, right? When we're on our first day of winter. Winter winter weather happens in the winter. Now, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to prepare for it? We're going to talk about that later on. Right. As our main subject, Tesla full self-driving triggered an eight car crash on a Bay Bridge. This is out of San Francisco. Right. So uh, is that going to be the new excuse now? Right. The self-driving car software did it. And all these uh, things have to be litigated, I guess. Eventually, they have to figure out who's going to be responsible. Flagship. Again, we're going to be dealing with war news. Where is it? Hold on. Do can't do the war news without the flagship of the Russian Navy caught fire. Admiral Kuznetsov. Let me go that Admiral Kuznetsov. Kuznetsov. That's it. Admiral Kuznetsov, the flagship of the Russian Navy and the country's only aircraft carrier, caught fire on Thursday, according to Russia state media. This is a thing that has been, no, they've been had it in dry dock, right? Uh, over going a long term overhaul since 2017. It had been due to return to service this year. Well, they better hurry up. They only got uh, like 
what is it? Nine days left here. Uh, they're probably going to have it out in 2024, but uh, a floating dock used. No, again, look at all these injuries. And again, I've always said that shipyards, right? Unless they're like federal shipyards, and we don't have too many of those left. The federal shipyards are often so the the privately owned and the smaller shipyards. They're like 20, 30 years behind the times on a lot of OSHA regulations. You just go and you look at those 29 CFR 1915 regulations. There's not a lot of them there. They refer to a lot of uh, uh, no outside stuff like ANSI and FBA. And people, they rely on heavily on the general duty clause for these companies to do assessments and everything. They do have some stuff. And you know what? If you want a course and... Uh, maritime safety, give us a call 845-269-5772 or contact me at jim at safetywords.com. Why? Uh, because we do outreach training for shipyards. So uh, again, here we have a ship in a shipyard, right? You, uh, From some of the pictures from May they have on this website here, looks like they're doing a lot of freaking work on this ship. All right. Two. Number three is this. Here you have a nation, and regardless of what you're thinking is on the Ukraine war, that might know that this is impacting the war probably, and it may be taking this on because of the war. But one thing is for sure, they've been plagued by several accidents. All right. So in 2018, the uh, floating dock used to overhaul the abrupt, the, uh, Set, uh, the ship abruptly sank, causing a crane to punch a massive hole through the ship's flight deck. A separate fire broke out on the ship in 2019 from a spilled fuel. So they were going confined in enclosed spaces and hot work, killing two and injuring more than a double, uh, more than a dozen. And the head of the United Shipbuilding Corporation, which oversees the ship's refit, told Russian state media Thursday that the fire was small and was extinguished. All right. Now, according to the spokesperson, all the relevant fire system worked normally. There was no damage, no casualties. Anyway, again, here we have a ship, right, in a shipyard, and you had several of these incidents that are delaying its uh, eventual turn to, uh, uh, no, a uh, return to service again. Maybe we should be thankful that they don't, you know, that these things happen that way. They can't get it into the war. I don't know what to think of it. Oh, this, uh, this I do know is that shipyards are a targeted or, uh, uh, workplace in for OSHA. Okay. Russia, no jurisdiction. Yeah, I get it. In the United States. And you should really, uh, no, there's a lot of opportunity there. And there's also opportunity for improvement, opportunity for safety and everything else that goes into it. And I've done a lot of work in them. So I don't know uh, why they're so far behind on a lot of this stuff. I don't know. Uh, culturally, because uh, a lot of times the Coast Guard it has the uh, jurisdiction of the ships while they're underway. And a lot of the personnel feel that the Coast Guard has jurisdiction when really OSHA does when they're in a shipyard and they feel that they can do whatever they want. Often what happens is that they have the crews, especially in the short, uh, the smaller shipyards, do the actual work on the ship. And uh, 
So this circumvents the shipyard confident person often, at least in their mind, it doesn't really, but in their minds, and therefore they don't have to worry about anything. Every shipyard has a shipyard confident person. They don't have to do anything. It's a very dangerous working environment to say the least. Europe is rushing arms to Ukraine, but running out of ammo. Where did you hear this first? It was on our podcast. We were doing regular podcasts before the live show. Uh, earlier this year. So because of uh, uh, a lot of environmental laws and they get blamed, but this time it might actually be there. And lead smelters uh, going out of business earlier in the 2010s, there has been a huge shortage of ammunition in the United States for the civilian market. Also, uh, we've had a lot of government agencies go out and make huge purchases in 2014, 2015, 2016 at the end of the Obama administration, including the IRS and a couple of other things. They bought all the ammo essentially, uh, that was available. And there have been huge ammo shortages since 2016 in uh, this country. So my question at the beginning of this year was, are we actually going to have enough ammo to get for this war? And here we go. I mean, the ammo places are going and uh, uh, no, they're working overtime. Really simple, creating all this ammo and all over East, uh, all over Western Europe and Eastern Europe as they're able to. So there's a shortage there. Uh, again, I know it's a foreseeable thing. I think the last time that we've had a shortage like this was during World War II. Okay, I want to get to talking about cold stress. So I'm going to hold off on a lot of this stuff until tomorrow. Cold stress. Now you're going to say, well, What's the big deal on cold stress, Jim? This should be pretty straightforward. I'm going to tell you nothing straightforward on this. So OSHA, as we know, they are uh, going to uh, start regulating. There's some in the pipeline, you know, proposed regulations. Then you got public comment. And then you got review. We understand on heat stress. All right. What about cold stress? Does OSHA have specific regulations on cold stress? And the answer is no. So you have to go to what is called the general duty clause. So what is in, uh, the general duty cl clause? Hold on, everybody here. All right, so you have the general duty clause. So that is in uh, 29, uh, hold on, blah, 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 blah. here we go. I, let me get the exact thing. All right, under current, under the OSHA policy, right? The general duty clause is quote, is in section five, uh, subparagraph A1 of the Occupational Safety and Health uh, Act. Right, employer, the employer, right, an employer has to, supply furnished to its employees, quote, employment at a place of employment which are free of recognized hazards that are causing or are likely to cause death or serious physical harm to its employees. 
Employers can be cited for violation of the general duty clause if a recognized serious hazard exists in the workplace and the employer does not take reasonable steps to prevent or abate the hazard. The general duty clause is used only when there is no standard that applies to a particular hazard, but they require, but the following elements are necessary, and this is our ands, not ors. To prove a violation of the general duty clause. A. The employer failed to keep the workplace free of a hazard to which employees of that employer were exposed. B. The hazard was recognized. C. The hazard was causing or was likely to cause death or serious physical harm. And D. There was a feasible and useful method to correct the hazard. The other thing is that's not mentioned in all a lot of this stuff is that there was a court case. I forget which one it was right now. I haven't been able to find it where someone was cited under the general duty clause and nobody was hurt or there was another law that they got cited under. Nobody was hurt. And the employer said, well, nobody was hurt. There wasn't this, blah, 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 blah. Why are you signing this? And basically the whole uh, spirit and other things with the uh, with OSHA is that you're supposed to prevent accidents. That's where the priority is. So if you call up OSHA at 1-800-321-OSHA and you say, oh, I had a fatality, Okay, there. No, you have to report that within eight hours. That goes on the list. Ten minutes later, says I have an imminent danger. Someone's gonna freaking die if this doesn't get fixed. Which one do you think goes to the top of the order? It's the imminent danger. Someone's dead. There's not a lot you could do. You're gonna go and examine, do an investigation. You're gonna do whatever you want, try to prevent the next accident from occurring. Blah 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 blah. So. Uh, what, 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 so what do you do? So that's a higher priority than uh, something that already happened. So you're supposed to be anticipating this stuff. That's the whole thing. Anticipate. So now let's go back to cold stress. There is no, uh, there are no, uh, regulations on it. They go to the general duty clause on, uh, for this, right? So let's go through this. What can you do about cold, right? You have workers working out in the cold. You have, and I believe me, I worked in a freezer for three summers. All right, uh, working my way through college. All right, I worked in a freezer with my brother Wally. And it's cold, so you're not going to get around it. So, uh, but what can you do about it? You can... Right. might not be able to do anything about the cold, but you have to have the hazard being recognized. Yeah, it's cold. Now comes the thing is, well, how cold is cold? And when, at what temperature do we have to start doing things? You have to do an assessment. I No, uh, there's been documented, documented cases that people who are submerged in water at 75 degrees for long periods of time, let's say they fall off a ship or they're shipwrecked or something, Guess what? They die of hypothermia. So, now generally speaking, when does cold start getting, uh, I start worrying about cold stress? Around 55 degrees. Well, Jim, that's awfully warm. There's people out there, especially up in Maine and in uh, northern Washington and Alaska, they're out there and they have heat stress at 55 degrees. Yeah, that's true because they're acclimated to the cold. 
And they'll, hey, at the end of the winter, I'm out there in a short sleeve shirt too when it's 30 degrees out. But you get acclimated, right? But as you get older, it gets, and I'm finding this out, you're getting less and less acclimated. So I should say 55 degrees is my threshold. Why? Because I was out working a job and it was around 55 degrees and I got soaked and I got mild hypothermia with that meaning, you know, shaking and everything. I couldn't get warm. Uh, one of our listeners, Bill McCalick, right? Uh, he uh, probably remembers that. I couldn't get warm. So guess what? The hazard was causing or was likely to cause death or serious physical harm. You could freeze to death. You can get frostbite. You can have all different issues because of the cold. There was one guy that fell off a dock in New Jersey about 10 years ago an oil terminal and he froze up and they didn't have a means or methods of getting him out of the uh, out of the water and eventually they got him out of the water never returned to work and it was like a legitimate thing it wasn't like you know he ended up with frostbite cardio a little bit of cardio uh, cardiac issues things of that nature okay so yeah and D, there was a feasible or useful method to correct the hazard this is where the controversial thing happens OSHA does, you know, for weather related stuff, normally the employer is not responsible for supplying that. That's one of the things a PPE, an employer doesn't have to supply is that. Okay, now let's flip this around. Someone gets hurt at work because of the cold. Is that an OSHA recordable? Good chance it's going to be an OSHA recordable. Absolutely because it causes other issues and everything. Good chance. Let's say that you have to bring the person to the hospital because they froze. And then what happens? They spend an overnight visit at the hospital for observation or just to try to, maybe they, it exacerbates another thing, another uh, health issue. That might be an OSHA recordable. They might get frostbite. That's an OSHA recordable. I'm going to say this much. If you're in ill health, and I've had uh, the training for, and I do a little bit of training on cold water survival. Guess what? You fall in the water. I'm over 50 years old. My family has a history of heart disease. I don't, but my family, uh, no, extended family does. Fall in the water and like 45 degree water or like this morning, what we had in New York Harbor, like 28 degree water, right? Fall in that. What happens? You go into cardiac arrest. It isn't like the Titanic, right? In the movie, right? My heart will go on where you have uh, Kate Winslet and you have the other guy, Leonardo DiCaprio, and he's over there and he's, ah, you know, they're there and they're having a nice conversation. What? Hell no. You're like the guy in the back with a whistle and everyone's in a panic with this, which is, by the way, not what you're supposed to do. What makes their situation worse. But anyway, you know, people get cardiac arrest. So how do we correct this? Like all the other OSHA regulations, situations, you have to do an assessment. So what's the assessment that you do? Is this a possibility? Yeah. What are the likely things you do? Two. What, what's going to, right? And number three, how do you correct the hazard? So, Let's go through the hierarchy of controls. Can you eliminate the hazard? First question is, can we do this job in the spring? The 
station that we have, the international station down in Antarctica. And if you're out there listening to this, uh, I know the painters, or I, I don't know if they're there doing the job anymore, but they're painting in Antarctica. They can only do it. They only do it for one month, right? For a uh, one month in our winter, because it's their summer down there in Antarctica. They get there about this time of year and they just stay there. Now you're going to say, okay, what are they painting in Antarctica? They are painting pipelines and oil tanks is essentially it. And it's a uh, it's a federal contract from the federal government, and they go down there and they paint this because guess what? The only time that and they have like a month to do all the painting and maintenance, because what do you think happens? It freezes up, and all your fuel for Antarctica has to be delivered. There, all the fuel oil and all the other fuels that they may need have to be delivered there in like February before everything freezes up again. So. What, what do they do? They del- Okay, they're not out there in the middle of winter painting. Are there paints that will work in the middle of winter? Yeah, I can tell you what. You got the money, they got the paint. But no, they eliminate it. They, hey, can they do it in the spring? They do it you know, when it's uh, the weather is. A lot of times you can't do that. Seems like every time I'm on a pipeline job or water job, it starts in November. <laughs> okay, uh, right? Yeah, I have divers in the water in November, right? Around New York, it sucks. Anyway, okay, great. Now, you're trying to do that. Can you eliminate this? Can this be done from a boat, maybe? So, it'll still be cold, but you're not going to fall into the water or go into the water. That sort of thing. Okay, can we substitute? I hate to find out what the substitute is for that, right? Uh, I can't think of anything offhand. Now, let's engineer something. Okay, this is where you could actually do this. Uh, And again, with the hierarchy of controls, it's been revised a little bit, uh, at least culturally, right? You have good, better, and best rather than all these other steps that you have to go through. Well, yeah, you can engineer it a little bit. Uh, And no, and is it an engineering situation or a PPE situation? A little bit of both, right? Which is at the bottom of it. They do have dry suits and they do have wetsuits. PPE, a wetsuit, they pump hot water through the suit and you're, no, for like divers, right? An administrative control. What would be an administrative control would be a work rest regimen. Okay, you work and then you rotate workers in and out of the cold environment. That could be another way. You could do that as an administrative control. Uh, the other thing is PPE. What kind of PPE could you be using? I tell you what, on, all, on my winter jobs, that I'm out of the oil industry, all the winter jobs are out there are, uh, no, not working this winter in the oil. I do work in the oil industry, but not this winter. Everybody has a heated vest. Would that go well in the oil industry? Probably not because you're working in a class one division one environment or a class one division two environment where uh, you're not allowed to have or you have to have intrinsically safe equipment. Guess what? That battery operated vest ain't going to work. There are uh, other things you can do. You can, I have an exposure suit or a uh, Mustang suit or no, they call make call them float coats, things of that nature that are especially designed that are life jackets, but they're often used in cold weather. 
I tell you what, when it starts to get under 25 degrees Fahrenheit, I put one of those on because I'm nice and warm. The other thing is, is that there are uh, suits available, like in the oil industry, that are made for like the Arctic Circle. I'm not going to advertise the brand, but uh, it's a very well-known brand. I actually got one of those for work, and it's fire retardant for the oil industry uh, there. Uh, What else are you going to do? No, your feet keeping warm. What You know, warm boots. No, uh... Warm socks. And we have a whole training program on this, right? Uh, what kind of clothes? Wicking, layered clothing. We basically have three layers of clothes. You have a base layer, which is like long johns, your run regular undergarments, things of that nature that you may wear. Long sleeve t-shirts. Then you have an environmental layer. And then you have a insulating layer, another layer on top. And then you have an environmental layer, which could be a raincoat, a windbreaker, things of that nature. What's my point? If you're the employer, you have to figure out what works and what's appropriate for your working environment and everything else that you're doing. Because cold stress is a real thing. People get injured with cold. I don't know what the statistics are. I'm sure I'm sure with this one it's heavily re, uh, underreported, but the thing is you're still responsible. The other thing is this. Cold employees are they going to be really that productive? How about, uh, this is what I do to build up goodwill when I'm, uh, get hired as a, uh, acting, uh, safety director, which I did for a paint company for many years on October 17th, every year. Why October 17th? Because I learned my lesson from supply chain issues in the 1990, 1990s when I was in charge on October 17th of every year, I poll the people I'm working with, right? And everybody that I'm working with gets an email. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Do you need anything for winter weather? Right? And I always say, well, you want a hat, a good hat. Why? Because most of the heat's lost through the hat, through your head. So if you have a good hat, right? Okay. And I get things. Well, Jim, I can use like a pair of winter coveralls. Okay, great. We'll put it on there. Hey, Jim, I can use a couple of good pairs of winter gloves. And I said, as long as they're work gloves and they're used at work. Okay. Check. I can use a helmet liner. Check. I can use uh, this. And guess what you're doing? You're building up some good faith and political capital for your work crew, for your uh, coworkers. Because it's showing that one, you care about them. Number two, that you're thinking ahead. And this way, Maybe once you get the orders, I give people a week to get the orders together. I know it's December 22nd and it's, you know, okay, it's a little bit late, but okay, that's fine. There's still time, right? You could, uh, now you have some lead time. You have things go on sale, like my mother always looking for those sales and everything else. Now you have opportunity and now you're able to prepare for winter. Maybe you can plan out a training class. If this is a real hazard, you're in a maritime environment, you're working along a waterfront, you're working on a a ship or a dredge or a drill rig in cold climates or up in in northern Alaska, and you need that uh, North Slope training, right, that I had several years ago on my second honeymoon. Yes, I did go for a safety training class on my honeymoon. 
my wife had to work. So <laughs> I said, let me, let me get a training class in. But, uh, uh, because those CEUs, but anyway, the, uh, and you know, you, what's the idea with all this stuff? You plan ahead, you write plans, you do training. Uh, I know uh, on the Deadliest Catch TV show, they showed a couple of times their preparation for winter weather, which also included how fast you can get into a survival suit. Wow. Also, let's say that you're going to get a survival suit or a uh, exposure suit, things of that nature. Do you need training on that? Damn right you need training on that. You also need a lot of money. Uh, the prices of this stuff have pretty much doubled since uh, the uh, since about 2008. So now when I paid 450 bucks for a pair of, for a set of coveralls, right? The Mustang suits coveralls, they're about 450 bucks. Now they're going anywhere from 750 to 1100 bucks. And I'm sure as the winter goes along, they get more and more money. All this stuff, planning ahead of time uh, and everything else is really important. And uh, again, hoping for good weather, it's not a plan. It's not a plan for success, especially with cold weather and the safety war. Uh, so I'll be active next week on social media. Uh, we'll be going, uh, you know, doing everything. I'm going to try to make it on to the Rated R Safety Show tomorrow, time permitting and everything else. Uh, and I don't know what uh, Dr. J. Allen has uh, for tomorrow, but we'll try to get on there. If I don't speak to you, I want everybody to remember. Right, now let's review this a little bit. Psychological safety, right? If you have issues, right? Mental health issues, right? I want you folks to, there's a lot of resources out there. Uh, there uh, now we have the uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK, right? If you want to uh, talk to someone or uh, 988 it is the three-digit dialing code that will route callers to National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, but basically, uh, I'm getting this from 988lifeline.org. So if you're feeling blue, I'm going to tell you, there is help out there. There are uh, resources out there. You're important. Your life matters. Let me finish off with this story here. And I hate to be a downer, but I'll, I'll, I'll be a downer here. We had a guy who got hurt. And this is way before I was involved with Hop and uh, Safety FM and everything else. And it was a rather serious injury. And uh, no, it was in the axe investigation doing the interview. And I said, you know, Oh, and it came across where I felt like the, I sensed the guy was in a little bit of distress here. I said to him, uh, Mike, I said, what, uh, what's going on? Uh, nobody cares about me. And I said, what do you mean nobody cares about you? I said, who, you know, what, who do you live with? He says, well, I'm divorced. I live with my elderly mother. I take care of her. I come here. I have issues and everything else. I said, so what do you mean? Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about me. I said, okay, Mike, 
Your mother doesn't care about you. She says she has dementia. She's out of it. She doesn't know whether she's coming or going. So okay. I said, well, I see you have a coffee cup there. He said, yeah. I said, where did you get the coffee this morning? This is early in the morning. There were no coffee machines on site, and it was too early for break time. Uh, so he didn't have a thermos. And he said, well, I stopped by this uh, coffee shop. I said, well, who do you see at the coffee shop? And he says, oh, I, uh, Melissa. I think her name was Melissa. He said, well, we'll pick Melissa. He said, Melissa. So well, tell me about Melissa. Oh, well, she's about the age, uh, you know, of my granddaughter. I said, yeah, about how old is that? He says about 14, 15, and she helps out her parents at the uh, convenience store where I got my coffee. I said, okay. How long have you been going there? He says, oh, eight or nine years. So, so you've known uh, Melissa since she's relatively young. I said, well, talk, tell me about her. And then his eyes lit up. Oh, well, she's this, she's that. She's does it, I don't know, and everything else. She's a wonderful family, wonderful uh, young woman, and everything else. She says hello. Uh, no, she works there uh, before school every morning, so uh, she gets me the coffee. She knows how I like it. Blah blah blah. We have a little chat in the morning if no one happens to be there, no other customers, and you know, it says I feel like a connection because I got divorced and my family. Pretty much one, you know, and then he goes into the whole sad story. And of course, there's always two sides to every story or three sides, right? Her story, his story and the truth. And uh, I said, OK, I said, here's a question for you, Mike. I said, uh, what would happen if you got hurt at work and you didn't see Melissa? I let and he sat in and let that sit in for uh, 30 seconds and looked at it and said, Jimmy, I know exactly what you mean. I said, we all have a connection to each other. We all, life is worth living. I'll steal a line from uh, Bishop Sheen there. Life, life is worth living. And it's important that we all have a connection there. If you're having a struggle with mental health or suicide, thoughts of suicide, there is self out there, 988, right? Or the other line, the thing is uh, one, uh, 988 is the uh, lifeline. You go to 988lifeline.org, right? There's someone out there that's depending on you. There's someone out there that you're impacting that you may not even know. Right. There's you have a lot to live for. Live for that person. Live for the future. Better times are coming. We're a little bit tough here. We're Americans. We're in. Right. We're tough here. We have some grit here in this country. Other countries, too. OK, I'm you know, but I'm from the United States. We have a little bit of grit elsewhere in the world. Get some grit if you don't have it. A lot of countries have grit. But, you know, go out there. Life is worth living. I want and uh, we'll see you tomorrow and next week. If I'm not here, just remember, right? I will be, I plan on being here. That means something came up. So uh, live and for safety wars, this is Jim Pozel. And I want to wish everybody a happy holidays. Merry Christmas, uh, happy Hanukkah and everything else. So uh, good talking to you. See you tomorrow. 
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.